I want to get right into God's word. I believe God has a word that's in due season, and it's, it's for us this morning. I, I believe this with all my heart, and um, I want you to turn with the, to the book of Psalms with me. We're going to read out of chapter 107. We're going to read two verses. Psalms 107. I've been here for a month now in the States. I've been doing a lot of traveling all the way from the East Coast to Texas to Colorado, Southern California, and now Northern California. But tonight I get back on the plane and I go back home. Hallelujah. (laughs) So uh, I'm ready to go back home. I miss my daughter. I miss my wife. I miss the church there. So, uh, But just keep us in prayer. Amen. Psalms 107, verse 23 and 24. Everybody there? It says this. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, somebody say great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders or his miracles in the deep. I want you to bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, this morning I thank you for this great and awesome opportunity that we have to just be in your presence. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just take full control, that you would minister to each and every one of our hearts this morning. Let none of us lead the same, God. I pray freedom. I pray that the boundaries will be broken in our life. I pray that we would overcome inner struggles. I pray that we, Lord, would just move forward and expand to the capacity that you have for our lives. Because you have created us with purpose. And you have a blueprint and the end in mind, Father. Lord, this morning, speak to our hearts. Let none of us lead the same. And it's in Jesus' name. We all say Amen, amen. Come on, give your neighbor one more high five and say you're in the right place at the right time. You can have your seat this morning. See, here in this portion of scripture, we see that God is revealing something so profound and so awesome and so challenging in our lives. He says that those that go to the deep shall see the wonders and the miracles of God. See, It's those that really put their full trust in God will see their lives living in the fullness of Christ and seeing God do what he wants to do in them and through them. He says that those who go to the deep, he's not talking about those that stay on the shoreline and they're in full control of their life. They haven't surrendered or relinquished too much to God. Because they're just in control. They might be still doing their own thing and, and fulfilling their own will. And they're looking on the shore and everything's safe and they're in their comfort zone. Hello, somebody. And they're just looking at the deep and the ships that are going to the deep. And they're just only imagining what maybe one day or only imagining something great happening in their life. He's not talking about those who will see the wonders and miracles of God. And he's not even talking about those that maybe step off of the shore and maybe go just a little bit deeper. And they get their toes wet. They get their ankles wet. Hello, somebody. They might relinquish a little bit of their life, but they're still pretty much in control. Well, they might be fulfilling their dream and not God's dream. Well, they might be pursuing a great and good opportunity, but maybe not pursuing God's opportunity. Come on. So they're still pretty much in control. And they might be 
you know, getting a little taste and seeing that the Lord is good because they got the water touching them now. They're not completely on the shore, but they're not in the deep yet. He's not talking about those who will see the wonders of God. He's talking about those that go to the deep. But I'm not even talking about those that maybe even go knee deep or waist deep. And now they're beginning to, they're beginning to let go of their past. They're beginning to let go of their own will. They're beginning to step into something that, whoo, it feels good because they begin to feel the current and the rhythm of God's anointing upon their life. But still, they still have a good footing in their life because they're still in control. But they're feeling God moving in their life because they feel the waves coming. Hello, somebody. But they're looking at the people on the shore and they're looking at the people in the deep. They're pretty much straddling the fence and in the valley of decision. What shall I do? Shall I hold on to what I know and what is secure in my life? Or should I hold on and let go to God and embrace his will for my life? It's those that really go into the deep that will see the wonders of God. I'm talking about those that lose their footing, that go so deep that you're just in the current of God. You're in the waves of God. You're in the deep with God, and he's the one that's sustaining and complete control of your life. It's those that will see the miracles and the wonders of God, that you let go of everything, and you embrace everything that God is and has for your life. It's those that will see the great and awesome wonders. This morning, I want to challenge you and encourage you that God has something more in store for our life. That we haven't arrived yet. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, you ain't arrived yet. <laughs> God has something greater. God has something bigger. God has something more in store. And he's created you and I with purpose. You were created with a purpose. And through life's situations, sometimes we veer away from that purpose that God originally created us for, but through the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus, he's bringing us back to that starting point, he's making all things new in our life, and he's bringing us back to the original plan, the original purpose for us to fulfill, and that is to be a light to this world, that is to become Christ-like, that is to reach this world for the honor and glory of Jesus, and he's bringing us to that point of us understanding and discovering our purpose. Because if we didn't have no purpose, then we wouldn't be here today. <laughs> See, you have an assignment that's still unfulfilled. You still have something to do for God. <laughs> that's why you're in the church. That's why that bullet whizzed right by you. That's why that OD didn't kill you. That's why your divorce didn't become final. That's why the enemy didn't kill you is because God still has a purpose and a plan for you and you're here this morning. You're alive. You're well and it's time to step into everything that God has for our life. Because if we didn't have a purpose, the moment we would have accepted Jesus, we would have just died right here on the altar and went to heaven and be with God forever. Now, that's the ultimate goal, to be with Jesus forever. But in between now and then, there's something for us to fulfill. That's why you're here this morning. And I pray this morning that you would be challenged to step into a greater level of anointing and believe God for bigger, better, and greater things in your life. How many can believe that? 
that God has something bigger, greater, and better for our lives. But in this journey, see, God, he takes us from point A to point Z. And we got to go through B, C, D, and E, and F, G, all the way to Z. In the journey that he's taken us on, because God's a progressive God. He's a God that grows us, develops us, but he's also a God that takes us somewhere. And we're going somewhere. How many feel like you're going somewhere in life? <laughs> Maybe before you felt like you were stuck, but today, because of Christ, we're going somewhere. And in this journey, we'll have opposition, we'll have resistance, we'll have different things, obstacles that will try to delay us or distract us or even try to destroy us. There'll be outer circumstances that try to, to hold us back from what God has for us to try to limit us. And those are things that we need to overcome, and that's part of the journey also. But this morning, I want to speak more about some inner struggles that we deal with in the journey that God is saying. Because God wants us to get out of the box. He wants us to step into a whole greater anointing. <laughs> he wants us to experience increase and expansion like never before. But sometimes we got to deal with inner struggles. Just like we deal with outer struggles, we need to deal with inner struggles. And I want to bring out a man's life that had to deal with some inner struggles in his life. And when he overcame those, God raised him up to do great and mighty exploits to save a nation. <laughs> I'm talking about the man of Gideon. We all know the life and the story of Gideon that he was found in the wine press just trying to survive and just trying to ha hide what little grain and food he could for him and his family so that he wouldn't die. Because you got to understand what was taking place in that time in the Israelites and in the life of Gideon. To find out what he was struggling with and to find out why he was in that wine press. He was stuck in a box. He was limited in his vision. He was limited in his calling. He was just trying to survive, but God had called him to thrive in his walk with him. See, for seven years, seven consecutive years, the Bible says that the enemies of God, the Midianites, the Amorites, the people of the east, they would come for seven years and begin to take away everything that the people of God worked for. The Bible says that the people of God sown, they labored, they toiled, they watered, they waited so patiently for the great harvest that was just at hand. But when it was harvest time, the enemy came and <laughs> took everything away. Took their harvest, took their livestock, took their livelihood, took their dignity, took everything they worked so hard for. And this was happening for seven years. Year after year. They would work. They would water. They would toil. They would patiently wait. And the harvest would just be at hand. They could almost touch it. Almost get their hands on it. Almost experience it and possess it. But then all of a sudden, the enemy comes in and takes away what they worked so hard for. And we find Gideon in the wine press. In a state of mind of defeat and discouragement. 
He was not living a victorious life. He was just surviving. And when God has a plan, then he always raises up a man to reach the land. (laughs) And it was God's plan to raise up Gideon to lead the army that would save Israel from the hand of the enemy. But he had to come down and speak to him and begin to reveal to him and envision him who he really is. (laughs) See, Gideon seen himself as a defeated man. As a coward, as a discouraged man. But God said, no, 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 you're not discouraged, you're not defeated. You are a mighty man of valor. God had to reveal who he really was to Gideon. Gideon had to see himself as God created him. To begin to fulfill the purpose and the plan. To step into the deep. To get out of that box. To get out of that limitation. To get past those boundaries. To get out of that wine press. God had to reveal to him that you are a mighty man of valor. And I am with you. I am sending you. I am calling you. And it's time to step out. And to step into everything I have for you. But through the response of Gideon, we see the inner struggles that was taking place in his life. When God spoke to him, he says, you mighty men of valor, by your hand I'm going to save Israel. The whole nation is going to get saved. And the response of Gideon was this, God, don't you know my family is the weakest and I am the least in my family? You know what the inner struggle that he was dealing with was a sense of inadequacy. He didn't feel like he was good enough. He didn't feel like he was qualified enough. He didn't feel like he had the goods to do the job and to do it well. So he was stuck in a box, in a wine press, limited in his thinking, limited in his vision, limited in his calling. Because he didn't feel like he was adequate enough or competent enough. To do the job and do it well. Sometimes we go through different head trips and insecurities and a sense of inadequacy. Especially coming from the background that maybe a lot of us come from. Such as myself. I come from 13 years of drug addiction and alcoholism. Ever since I was a little boy, I was smoking weed and did my first line of cocaine at 13 years old. Drinking, partying, coming the drunk at the school, coming, you know, and smoking weed in the bathroom at high school and, and, and ended up getting into crack and ended up getting into meth. And once I started using meth, then it was all over. The enemy was just beating me down and wearying me and trying to destroy my life. So coming from a background of of quitting school and, and, and not having the education and not having the qualifications. There were some inner struggles that when I came into the home that I had to overcome. But one thing that God spoke to me so clear and so evident in my life that he doesn't necessarily call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And we got to know that we're called. We got to know that God has a purpose for us. We need to know that God has a plan for us. We need to know that God has something greater in store for us. And it's our time to rise up and to step into the deep and fulfill the purpose and plan of God. Gideon, a man that was dealing with inner struggles, 
Sometimes we deal with those things too because of our upbringing. Maybe we had parents that said, you know what, you're going to be just like your daddy, a go-getter. <laughs> or the teacher at school saying, you know what, you are never going to amount to nothing. You're just a menace to society. <laughs> or even the system saying, this man or this woman is incorrigible. <laughs> Unable to be rehabilitated. So sometimes through our upbringing and sometimes through life, we, 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 we deal with the burden of people telling us that we wasn't going to amount to nothing. I know for those seven years, that's what the enemy was doing to Gideon. Just wearing him down. Wearing him down to the point of him just hiding in a wine press. Because if you read prior to the seven years, they were in 40 years of victory. They were experiencing victory. They were experiencing peace. They were experiencing the enemy defeated and themselves victorious. But through the attack of the enemy, it weared him down to the point of feeling worthless. I can always imagine that he's there just discouraged. And saying, man, is this ever going to work out? I'm just an ordinary guy. <laughs> There's nothing special about me. Well, that's okay. Because I'm here to tell you this morning that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. See, we got to come to a place of security in our life to be secure in who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. And being secure on how God created us. Because you are the best you that you can ever be. See, we need to just learn to be secure in ourselves. Because when we try to be like somebody else that we're not, then what happens is we become second best. And we were born on original, we are not going to die a copycat. Because God created us and fearfully and wonderfully made us in his image. We have the DNA of Christ inside of us. We have the victor living inside of us. And when some of us have different personalities, some of us are funny and some of us are more serious. Some of us are, are more loud and some of us are more quiet. However God created you to be, just learn to be the best you you can be. And understand and know that God uses ordinary people like you and I to do some extraordinary things. Beginning how to overcome that sense of inadequacy. He says, God, don't you know my family is the weakest and I am the least. See, we see a lot of examples in the Old Testament, New Testament. Of ordinary men and women that God called and God chose and God raised up to do a great and awesome work. Look at Noah, a man with no credentials and no experience of building a boat, didn't even know what rain was or a boat was, but yet God used him to save his family and humanity. Moses was a man that stuttered and had an anger issue, but God raised him up to be a deliverer of the nation of Israel. Gideon, the man that we're reading about, was afraid and a coward and discouraged. But yet God raised him up to save the nation. 
Abraham was a liar and was very impatient, but yet God raised him up to be the father of faith to many nations. Elijah was suicidal and very afraid of Jezebel, but yet God raised him up to tear down the idolatry of Baal in his day. David was rejected by his family and his friends, but yet God chose the shepherd boy to be the greatest king that we could ever read about. Jeremiah couldn't speak. He was unskilled. He was very young. But yet God raised him up to be a powerful preacher to a godless nation. Peter was a big mouth and saying all the wrong things at all the wrong time. But yet he became the pillar of faith in the church of Jesus Christ. Timothy was too young and no experience, but became the leading pastor of the thriving church of Ephesus. Paul the Apostle, a persecutor of the church, had a wretched past, was a hater of good, but yet we read about his legacy 2,000 years later of being the greatest leader and missionary of all days. Pastor Sonny, a heroin addict from the streets of New York, but yet God chose him, qualified him, called him, raised him up to build a worldwide movement and the leading of its kind. I don't know about you, but that says all of this right here, that God specializes in the underdog. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you're getting this this morning, but God specializes in the least likely candidate. What the world said would never amount to nothing, God says, no, 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 that's my man. That's my woman. I'm going to raise them up because I called the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I called the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And I'm calling you this morning to rise up and to step into a greater level of anointing. says in Ecclesiastes that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor favor to the men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited this morning. (laughs) That we have opportunities. Come on, somebody. Maybe the world didn't give us a lot of opportunity. But God says, you're my man, and you're my woman. And I'm giving you opportunity to do what I've called you to do, and that's to make a worldwide impact. Because there's something about the underdog. There's something about the runt. You know what the runt is, right? Come on. How many had like a, uh, a litter of puppies or, you know, or other animals? There's always a runt in the bunch. There's always the one that's getting pushed aside. There's always the one that has to wait till everybody else eats and he gets in there. There's always the one that's just a little bit smaller and just a little bit weaker. (laughs) Well, there's always a runt in the bunch. But there's something about the runt's heart. He knows what it is to make it in life. Because he's got to fight for it. How many's had to fight for something in your life? 
Maybe it was for your neighborhood before. Maybe it was for the enemy before. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I've called you. I've raised you up. You're in the church house now. Now you're going to fight the good fight of faith. You're going to fight for your salvation. You're going to fight for your spouse. You're going to fight for your children. You're going to fight for the lost. You're going to fight for your city. You're going to fight for your nation. You're going to fight for this world because I'm calling you to a greater level of anointing. I'm calling you to expand to the right and to the left. I'm calling you to overcome and to move forward. I'm calling you because you have something inside of you that the world needs. You have the truth. You have the goods. You've got the good stuff. (laughs) How many has got the good stuff this morning? There's something about the runt that just knows how to get in there and get what belongs to him. How many got some promises coming to you? How many got a vision that you want to see become a reality? How many got a city with your name on it? Come on, somebody. See, some of you might go geographically to another city. (laughs) Some of you might go to another nation. Because there's people waiting for you and I to be in the right place at the right time, speaking to that right person, the right message. Because they need to know what God has done inside of your life. Because they need to have that victory too. Every day we live for Jesus is another day we give somebody else hope. We're not dealing dope no more. We're dealers of hope. Hope to Hayward, hope to the heart of the bay, hope to this nation, hope to the nations of the world. Some of you might go to Africa. There's a huge need there. There's a need all over that place. I've never seen a country so infested with drugs and gang violence as it is there in South Africa. I'm talking about... People as young as seven years old hooked a drug addict. (laughs) Not somebody that just tried it with their friends on a weekend. I'm talking about a full-blown drug addict, seven years old. (laughs) I've been in houses there in Cape Town, South Africa, where four generations of people, (laughs) the grandma and grandpa hooked on meth. Their kids hooked on meth. Their kids hooked on meth. And seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds hooked on meth. One household, four generations. There's a need and there's a cry going all over the world. Asia, wide open. Africa, wide open. Europe, wide open. The East Coast, wide open. All over the world, it's wide open. There's cities crying out. We just need to be in the right place at the right time, speaking that right to that right person the right message. But the enemy wants to keep us in a box. And keep our, lim- our vision limited, our thinking limited by maybe sometimes feeling inadequate and not qualified enough to do the job well. But God is saying, just be secure in Christ. Be secure in how God created you. Know that God is with you and know who you are, that you are a mighty man and woman of valor. The world might consider us the underdog, but God says... You're the one that I'm raising up. Not only did he deal with a sense of inadequacy, but also he dealt with a sense of doubt. See, those that overcome all doubt will see the wonders of God in the deep. We still see the response of Gideon. 
that he was dealing with doubt. He was dealing with a sense of uncertainty. Even after God spoke to him, declared who he was, that he is a mighty man of valor, that he would raise him up and save Israel by his hand and lead the army into freedom. Gideon says this in verse 36. He says, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, then let me test you with the fleece. <laughs> See, when doubt comes upon somebody, it's because they already believed first. They believed, but then all of a sudden, through maybe circumstance, or through looking at themselves, or through looking at the outer things that we got to deal with, then doubt begins to creep in because doubt is just a sense of uncertainty. <laughs> Gideon says, well, if it is like you said, but I'm still going to test you. He believed, but yet he doubted. He believed, but yet uncertainty began to creep in. You know when doubt creeps in the most is when we try to figure things out. <laughs> I don't know about you, but... How many's tried to figure out God before? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. No, <laughs> You'll never figure out God. <laughs> because he's too great and too awesome to figure out. Our natural mind cannot fathom his supernatural being. <laughs> and when we try to figure things out and try to rationalize things, because things seem to don't make sense, then uncertainty begins to creep in. Did God really speak? Did God really give me a promise? Did God really save me, change me? Did God really give me a vision to live for? Did God really? You know what the question that people ask when they begin to doubt? If or what if or how? <laughs> Look at Mary, the mother of what was going to be the Savior of the world, the mother of Jesus. <laughs> when Gabriel the angel came to her, he says, highly favored one of God. <laughs> I come to you to give you a message that you will have a son, and you will call him Jesus, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And she said, how's that going to work out, being that I am a virgin? <laughs> Uncertainty. <laughs> See, doubt is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy. Because if he can get us uncertain about things, he'll keep us in the box. If he can get us uncertain about God's promises, he'll keep us limited and not stepping out. If he can keep us in a state of trying to rationalize things and trying to figure things out, then we'll just sit back and not move forward and stay on the shore because that's what we know and that's what's secure in our lives. He wants to keep us from stepping out into the deep. And it's in the deep where we have to move by faith and live by faith and walk by faith. Because it's in the deep where there's sharks. It's in the deep where we're uncertain of what's really going to happen. Because <laughs> you don't know exactly what's going to happen. God doesn't show you the whole picture. He might show you Z, but he doesn't show you B, C, D, and all the way to Y. 
But that's where faith comes into action. That we walk by faith. We're striving towards something. We got a bullseye to hit. We're trying to accomplish something. And God is with us. We got to know that without a shadow of a doubt. We can't be uncertain in our walk by faith knowing that God is with us. Because if we doubt, then we don't step out. God is constantly challenging his people to step into a greater anointing, into a greater level. He wants us in the deep because it's there where we'll see his miracles. See, his miracles are simply this. It's when earth aligns itself with heaven and what is taking place in heaven takes place on earth. (laughs) Because what is natural in heaven is supernatural on earth. (laughs) What is natural in heaven is a miracle here on earth because our God is a supernatural God and he wants to put his super on our natural and see his wonders and his miracles come to pass. Let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hello, somebody. God wants to take you higher, deeper, further than you've ever been before, but we cannot doubt. we got to step out. Come on, give Jesus a good praise this morning. Because a lot of times things will not make sense in our life. (laughs) 99.99999% of the time, it won't make sense. God will call us in the most inconvenient time. (laughs) How many has experienced that before? (laughs) It's not going to be convenient for us. It's going to be inconvenient. But that's a time of stretching. That's a time of our faith muscles getting stronger. It might hurt for a moment, but we pay the price now so we can play later. We can see the miracles and wonders of God. But a lot of times it's not going to make sense. See, it didn't make sense for God to use a 100-year-old man and a woman with a dead womb to produce a nation. It didn't make sense for God to raise up Gideon and his 300 men against an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. It didn't make sense for God leading Moses and the children of Israel to a dead end at the Red Sea to deliver them. It didn't make sense for God to use a little virgin girl to give birth to the Savior of the world. It didn't make sense for God to use a Savior to die on a cross to save our souls. It didn't make sense for God to use a bunch of ex-drug addicts and ex-gangsters and ex-hurting people to be the preachers and the leaders of the gospel and impact the world. A lot of times, my friend, it will not make sense, but we got to believe by faith. Because God wants to do miracles. He wants us for our lives to align with heaven. To see his wonders. Lastly, is that those that will see the wonders and go to the deep will be those that overcome not only a sense of inadequacy, not only those that will come overcome doubt, that they will step out of the box and into the next level, but those that will overcome fear. Somebody say fear. I want you to turn with me to Judges. I want to read a portion of scripture here. Judges chapter 7. Now this was another response to know where Gideon was really at in his walk with God. 
he began to overcome that sense of inadequacy. He began to overcome doubt. He was beginning to step out of the box, get out of the wine press, and getting ready to face the enemy. But he became a little bit afraid of the enemy. Let's read chapter 7, verses 9 through 15. It says this. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid, somebody say, if you're afraid to go down, then go down to the camp of Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east were lying in the village or in the valley, as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand on the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream. Somebody say he was telling a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped and he returned to the camp and said, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. Now we see this. We see... Gideon beginning to step out of the box. He's beginning to get out of that limitation. He's beginning to step past the boundaries. But then all of a sudden he begins to look at the enemy and then fear begins to paralyze him. Because if God says something to our life or he asks a question, it's not for him to know, it's for us to recognize. <laughs> he says, if you're a little bit afraid, okay, then I understand you're afraid, but go down to the camp and you're going to be encouraged by what they're talking about. <laughs> he goes down to the camp. He listens at the, at the tent and hearing what the enemy is speaking about. And they're once telling of his dream that he had of a, a, lar, a, a, a barley loaf of bread coming down the mountain, hitting the tent, wiping out the whole camp. And the other one interprets it and says, this is the sword in the hand of Gideon. God has given him the whole camp. So Gideon gets encouraged. He runs back up to the, the camp and says, come on, guys, arise. God has given us this camp. He's given us this victory. He's given what he said he would do and promised what he promised. He has given it to us. So he was encouraged. The fear began to leave because he began to step out. But in the beginning, he was paralyzed. He didn't want to go and face the enemy. He began to look at the false evidence appearing real. You know that's what fear stands for, right? It's false evidence appearing real. That's how the enemy works. He gives false evidence that appears to be real in our lives to paralyze us and keep us from stepping out. It's kind of like a farmer. The enemy is a copycat. Everything that God does, the enemy copycats it. And even the life of a farmer, the enemy copycats it. So the farmer, what he does is he plants the seed and he waters and, and waits for the harvest. But he knows that there's birds and ravens that are going to come and try to steal that harvest or get that harvest. So what the farmer does is he puts scarecrows 
right there in the corners. And you know what a scarecrow is, right? Scarecrow is one of those stuffed dummies that, you know, it's stuffed with straw and it's just kind of hanging there, just, you know. It just hangs there and, and its whole tactic is to scare the birds off, to keep them from going into the field and getting the berries and getting the harvest and getting the grain. That's what the enemy does in our life is he puts scarecrows up. To keep us out of the harvest that God has for our life. To keep us away from the calling. To keep us in the box. To keep us in the wine press. To keep us limited and not possessing the promises of God for our lives. Now, if we were all honest here this morning, all of us would say, we're at least afraid of one thing in our life. (laughs) But see, God gives us courage. Courage is simply the ability to overcome fear. Because we all face different fears. Either you're going to respond one of two ways to the fear that we all face. Either you're going to let it paralyze you and intimidate you and hold you back. Or you're going to step out in faith and courage and possess what God has for you. The enemy tries to keep us out of the harvest field. Tries to keep us back from the vision. Tries to keep us back from the promises. Some of us have great promises of our spouse getting saved. But the enemy's putting scarecrows in your life. And and, and now we're paralyzed with fear, not stepping out like we used to. God has given us promises for our children to get saved. But some of us have scarecrows in our life. And now we're paralyzed with fear, not believing God for what he said he would do. But I'm telling you this, that it's those birds that begin to look. They're sitting there on the highline wings, and they're talking. But they're afraid. They're intimidated by these scarecrows. They've seen the farmer plant the good seed and and seen the farmer put up those scarecrows. And they're so afraid to even fly down there and get the seed or get the harvest because of these scarecrows. It's paralyzed them. It's kept them on the highline wire, and they're just talking amongst themselves. And I can only imagine the the conversation a couple of months into the situation. And they're looking, and there's, I can only imagine just one. It only takes one, because courage is contagious. When David downed the giant of Goliath, the whole army rose up in courage and downed the whole Philistine army. It only took one, because courage is contagious. I can only imagine one bird just sitting up there and just saying, you know what, guys? <laughs> it's been three or four months, and, and, and I'm looking at that great harvest that's down there waiting for us. But also I'm looking at these scarecrows that the farmer planted. But you know what, guys? I've been watching them real close. And for a few months now, they haven't even moved yet. <laughs> they haven't done nothing yet. And, hey, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at that harvest, and I want that harvest. (laughs) I'm going to just go down and just make a quick little swoop and just see what happens to see if that scarecrow really gets me. It's those birds that begin to, they begin to fly down. They begin to circle that scarecrow. They begin to say, "Woo, okay, and they fly back up here real fast, right? Hey, guys, hey, guys, he didn't do nothing. (laughs) Hey, guys. I flew down there right above it, and then it didn't do nothing. It didn't attack me. It didn't talk to me. It didn't do anything. It didn't intimidate me. It didn't do nothing to me. 
come on, let's go down a little bit closer. And it's those birds that begin to circle around and begin to check out. Hey, this thing doesn't look real right here. Hey, this thing doesn't look like it's going to do anything to me. I've been watching it for four, four or five months now, and it hasn't done nothing. I swooped down, got real close to it. It still didn't do nothing. You know what? I'm just going to land on it. And they're looking at it. They're right here on its shoulder. They're looking at it and saying, hey, what's up with this? I, I've been afraid of you. I can see now that you're not even real. You're a false evidence appearing to be real. And he starts pecking it. Hey, guys, guess what? These things aren't real. Come on, let's go get the harvest. Let's get what God has for us. Let's get those souls. Let's get those cities. Let's get those promises. Let's get our family because God has something in store for us. But it's those that step off of the highline wires and into the harvest field, believing God by faith that God has something powerful in store for our lives. It's those that step out of the box and into the deep to see the miracles of God. The wonders of God to see their spouse saved, to see their children saved, to see their city turned right side up, to see their nation experience revival. It's those that overcome the inner struggles that we deal with that tries to keep us limited. But God is saying, no, 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 I've called you. It's your time. It's your season. It's your day. I'm raising you up for a greater level of anointing, and you need to step into it this morning. Come on, give Jesus a good praise. I want the worship team to come on up. We can't let fear paralyze us. No matter how intimidating it gets, we got to know by faith that God is with us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? If God be with us, then who can stand against us? See, this morning, I want us all to stand. When Gideon went down to that camp, he began to realize something very profound and powerful. He began to realize that it was always God's plan for him to live a victorious life. For him to not be scared of the enemy. Because when he went down to that camp, he realized something. That the enemy was more scared of him than he was of the enemy. The enemy trembles when a man and woman of God walk up to the scene. Because they carry the presence of God, the anointing of God. They carry the power of God. And the enemy is giving too many Christians nightmares and keeping them intimidated and paralyzed with fear and in the box, stuck, limited. But this morning I came to declare to you that it's God's plan for you and I to become a nightmare to the enemy and for him to not be a nightmare to us. That's what happened. That the man of God became a nightmare to the enemy. Because God was with him. And God is with you this morning.
His calling to turn those weaknesses into strengths. If you read on a few more verses, towards the latter part of that chapter, chapter 7, chapter 8, you'll see after God raised up the army, he, he uh, raised up 300 men, and they went and faced the enemy. They overcame the enemy. And the Bible says that there was two kings of the enemy. They began to flee. And the Bible says specifically that they, they fled into the winepress. And Gideon and his men chased them there and took down those kings of the enemy in the winepress. If you don't get nothing this morning, get this. That those things that had you and I bound in the winepress ain't going to have you no more. You're going to have those things in the winepress. God's going to turn your weakness into a strength. God's going to turn the table. There's a shift that's taking place. Those things that had you are not going to have you no more. But you're going to have them. I want you to lift your hands all over this place. I want us to begin to sing a song right now. And I just want you to close your eyes, lift your hands. Just begin to worship the Lord for a moment. Let God begin to speak to you and begin to reveal where you're at in your walk with him. We're all here at different levels, facing different things. But God wants to speak to us. God wants to move inside of us. God wants to move through us. But who will worship him in spirit and in truth at this moment as we sing this song? Into the darkness you shine. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we we're gonna rise. No We're gonna rise to new heights, new levels. Like We're stepping out. We're getting off the shore and we're going to the deep. Like We're getting out of the wine press.